This is Wealth Matters Podcast number 9. I'm your host, Alpesh Parmar. We'll be chatting with my good friend, Dave Zook, regarding ATM investing opportunities today. Welcome, Dave. How are you? I'm doing good, Alpesh. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Oh, thank you for taking time out of your really busy schedule. <laughs> you know, I've got a lot going on these days, but uh, no, I like to see uh, entrepreneurs and investors like yourself take action. So I usually try to make some time and uh, support uh, support you guys. I appreciate that, Dave. So yeah, um, Dave, as we have been talking about it, that I started this Wealth Matters podcast and I've been interviewing a lot of them you know, syndicators as well as entrepreneurs or business owners so that I can tre- teach my listeners on how to build wealth, how to build actually generational wealth. The idea is, you know, and, and you don't, should not be relying on one source of income. So you want to have second, third, fourth, fifth sources, sources of income as well. Um, and um, I've invested with you as well when I got, I was starting. So I thought you'll be, you know, a really perfect guest for this podcast. So looking forward to chatting with you uh, for next 30 minutes or so. No, I'm looking forward to it as well. And I, you know, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And, and uh, so your uh, passion and your vision for the future and going forward, educating investors is a big part of my passion and my vision. So uh, I think we're pretty well aligned. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. So Dev, tell us about yourself. Uh, where are you located and what do you do? Um, <laughs> So with the exception of about of only about two or three months at a time, I've lived in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania all of my life. Okay. And uh, we do try to get away in the wintertime sometimes. <laughs> yeah, of course. But uh, no, I've lived, I'm a Lancaster County, Pennsylvania native. And wow. so uh, I grew up here. I was fortunate. My dad had a very successful business. I grew up oh. in the family business. Nice. And when I got into, you know, my late teens, I, I started getting a little restless. I, I didn't know if I could, you know, get out in the, in the real world and make it on my own. And that was one of the primary drivers for me to start my own business and kind of venture out on my own. Nice. And uh, so I started a sales and marketing company. I was, I was heavily involved in our manufacturing company. We, we build modular buildings. Uh, but I, I started... I saw my dad uh, invest his extra cash into real estate and I saw him self-manage some of his single family homes. And, and I just, you know, growing up, I was like, you know what, there's gotta be a, a better way. Right. I, I'm not going to be a real estate investor. So I started, investing, <laughs> I started investing in businesses and got myself in a position where um, those businesses started doing really well, started right. making a lot of money, got myself in a position where, I was paying a half a million dollars a year in tax and I was, I was having a lot of fun and it didn't feel like work because it was so much fun. I was making all kinds of money, but I was expending quite a bit of energy. And, uh, when it came down to, you know, the fact that I had to give half of my money back to the government, uh, it wasn't so much fun anymore. So I went down this path and, uh, people usually ask me, well, how did you, get involved in real estate? How'd you get started? And I tell them, well, it, it was, I had no choice. I was chased into real estate because of my tax problem. <laughs> yeah. Real estate gives you depreciation, right? A lot of write-offs. Uh... 
Yeah, and you know, as I as I was studying, you know, I was desperate. I wanted to get under I wanted to get out from under this this tax burden and and I was desperate. I, I was willing to do anything. And uh when I realized that real estate was a not only a good cash flow and a wealth building uh vehicle, but it was also a tax protection vehicle, that's what really got me interested. And that's, that's what we got that's what that's what got me into the multifamily apartment space. Nice. Yeah, that, that is interesting. So um, you got started with uh, multifamily and how did you move into like syndication space or raising money? I Yeah, good question. I, I really didn't get into the space thinking that I was going to be a syndicator. I got into it because I had a problem. And <laughs> it was sort of this natural progression that um, I was in the deal flow. I had a great... Um, I had a great broker, the number one broker in the city of Memphis, where I, was, where I was doing a lot of business. And so I got in a position where I had bought a couple hundred units for myself and I ran out of my own money. And yeah, of course. So, so I was, so I had a decision to make. I could move slower. Um, at, but when, when I, when I moved slower, I had to, you know, I was at risk of, of, of getting that first call from the number one broker in the city you know he's right. bringing me these good deals and back then 2011 12 13 i mean there was deals everywhere you have to yeah you have to take an action at that yeah a lot of a <laughs> lot of low-hanging fruit and 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 so it was about that time that i was invited to sit on the board of a local startup bank and in the conversations that i heard around the 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 table a lot of these guys who were well able to write seven figure checks, they were making comments like, well, I don't know if I should invest in the bank now, or, you know, it could be five to seven years till we see any kind of return, but you know, it's still probably be better than putting our money in a CD, oh, which no. at the time was, you know, it was paying less than a, <laughs> you know, it was like a half a percent. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of when the light came on for me. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, there's an opportunity here. We're making right. double digit returns in our, in our multifamily deals. And these guys are making a half a percent. <laughs> yeah. So at the time, you know, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't very familiar with syndication, but I knew there was an opportunity here and that's, it, you know, I, wow. it just kind of unfolded. I, I didn't start out thinking I was going to be a syndicator, but it just kind of the opportunity presented itself and I, and I jumped at it. All right. That, that's awesome. So, um, and I also, you know, invested with you uh, in ATM space as well. So I, I want to take this podcast and discuss about ATMs actually. Um, so can you tell us more about ATMs and why ATMs? Yeah, you should have got an email from us on Friday saying that we uh, distributed uh, your your cash in your account. Yes, I did. <laughs> I got the money in the account too. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I get I get copied on on all of those emails, so I got like two hundred of those emails. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was, uh, there was I, I get quite a lot of emails on the twenty fifth of the month. Um, but no, there's uh, normally in the ATM space, you'll have sort of two different players. You'll have the mom and pop investor who will have 50 to 75 ATM machines within a 50 mile radius and he'll service those machines himself. And, okay. you know, it's just a small operation, right. not too high, you know, too high volume foot traffic through those locations, but he's the guy that will you know, service the machines, they'll place the cash, he'll, right. he'll do everything himself. 
Then you have the institutional players like Cardtronics and some of those some of the mm -hmm. big companies that are you know billion dollar plus companies, uh -huh. and, and that's sort of been your two kind of players. I don't know of another company that does what we do. We're a small company. We got a really good team, but we're small. I mean, even though we've got about all but a hundred million dollars worth of ATMs in the street, we're still considered small compared to the big institutional players. But I'm the only company that we're the only company that I know of that deals in this space at this size. We're small enough to where we can, you know, deal with individual investors. We're not a public company, but at the same time, we're big enough to where we're, we're, we're going out and bidding and we're winning these bids. We're going out and bidding on portfolios of ATMs and we're, and we're winning. And so what we do is when we go out and place a large portfolio of ATMs, we're not, we're not saturating the market. We're, we're placing brand new ATMs in a, in a location where there's been uh, an ATM before. So we're unseating somebody. So it's basically uh, existing locations. Oh yeah. And, and, and that's a, and that's important because you're not taking, uh, you're taking a lot of risk off the table because you're, you're not guessing. You're not guessing right, if this right. is going to be a good location. You're going in and you can see a couple of years worth of history yeah. and you know exactly how much volume, transaction volume is right. in each one of those locations. Yeah. So, so basically you are able to see the P&L kind of deal. Oh, right? yeah. so you are not yeah. reinventing the wheel. You are not doing the market research. Yeah, it's and, already been done pretty and much. Ju and just like you would go and, and, and ask for a T12 on a right. On a, on an apartment building, you get that same kind of data. Oh, okay. Yeah. On on a on an ATM, you you can see exactly how much vo you know volume uh, that ATM yeah. location Great has sense. done. So then we go out and we'll buy this portfolio. We go out in the market and there's you know there's ATM brokers and and, and oh, all that okay. just just like there is a you know multifamily huh? family brokers very similar. I mean obviously it's a it's a much more niche. Yeah, it's a niche market. Story. And you know not very many people know about it, but it happens. They're they're out there. Um, so then. Our last portfolio, which happened right at the end of the year, was uh, I think it was uh, ten point four million dollars. Oh wow! And and so what I'll do then is we'll break that down into one hundred and four thousand dollar units, and we'll take it out to an investor who can invest one hundred and four thousand. Needs to be an accredited investor, okay. and 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 your unit will have seven machines in it. Okay, so then. So then the, our management company says, all right, your unit will get you 3,373 transactions per month. Okay. And your portion of that surcharge revenue, typically it's you know $2.75 to $3, something like that. Your portion of that surcharge revenue is 63 cents. Okay. And so what happens there is, is we'll then sort of put a preferred return on that. We'll say, look, if you don't make your 3,373 transactions per month, we'll chip in our portion of the revenue. We'll chip in our portion of the surcharge revenue. And then if you exceed 3,373 transactions, that's where we make some money and, and we keep the upside. So it makes it, as you know, your amount hasn't changed from the time you signed on until today. Your amount coming into your account every month is exactly the same. And that's why we're taking the volatility out of that market and just making it to where you can really depend on consistent cash flow. Right. Okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah. And when, when I was talking to you, I had the same questions, you know, 
uh, where are you buying this ATM? So what kind of market research? But if you are buying it in an existing location with a PNL and P12, then at least you ha you know that this thing is working. Oh yeah, we know we know exactly what we're getting into, and that's part of our due diligence when we go out and bid on right. these portfolios. Okay, so um, I was even talking to some other investors and. The same question I asked you before, uh, they also said the same thing, aren't ATMs dying? Aren't people doing uh, you know, most of the things online without cash? So what have you seen still? You know, that, that's, that's a great question. And you would think that that would be the case you know, with, with all the new technologies, Apple Pay, Google Wallet, cryptocurrency, you know, credit cards, right. you, would, you would think that that would be the case. But unlike what everybody believes it the opposite is true so and and i can give you a couple of reasons why i think that's true i mean number one the the population is growing mm -hmm. number two number two the demographics of folks that use atm machines they're the fastest growing group in the united states really it's the lower income it's the lower that's income true. folks these guys are using atms as their, as their bank and i can tell you as a rule, somebody who invests in ATM machines typically doesn't use ATM machines and vice versa. Somebody that, some, uh, uh, right. a heavy <laughs> user of ATM machines will not have enough of money to invest in ATM yeah. machines. It's similar as uh, you can tell someone who invests in multifamily doesn't live in an apartment. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, and to your point, I had an investor say to me one time, and, and this was an investor who invested with me a lot over the years. Okay. He's invested in pretty much everything I do. He said to me early on, he was like, well, why would I invest in ATM machines? I don't ever use ATM machines. Right. And I said to him, well, why would you invest with me in C-class multifamily? You don't live in it. You would <laughs> never live in a C-class multifamily. So it's the same, it's the same thing. You've got to know, you know, it's important to know who you're, who your end user is and, and understand who those people are. And no, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, people who use ATMs do not invest in ATMs and vice versa. That is interesting. Yeah. And I think it makes sense, right. As, as, as we discussed and same way, multifamily or mobile home park, etc. You don't live in a mobile home park. Exactly. Right? It's a wealth building vehicle. That's it. Yeah. And and not only, I mean, as you know, not only do you invest in ATMs just for the cash flow. I mean, this is this is a great tax protection vehicle. That's that's uh, exactly what it was for me, right? Uh, the depreciation. Uh, <laughs> sure, and a a hundred percent of this uh, investment can be uh, tax deductible, can be written off and used as a tax deduction, and that's a that's a big part of this investment. A lot of your cash flow is is tax free. Yeah, that, that that's the that's the best part about this ATM investment. So that that you brought up the cash free and tax uh, protection. Can you elaborate on that? How the depreciation works and why there is a you know tax free income? Yeah. So what happens when somebody invests in the ATMs? They get to write off. Let's say you're a hundred four thousand dollar investment for a unit. You get to write off that full one hundred four thousand dollars over five years. Oh, okay. So, five nice. years. Five years. That's that's uh, twenty thousand eight hundred dollars per year. Mm -hmm. Well, your your cash flow is twenty five thousand five hundred dollars per year. 
So really, when you take the cash flow and you and you deduct the twenty thousand five hundred dollars per year, you know you, you got the twenty five five. You deduct the twenty thousand five hundred. Really only paying tax on you know five grand. Well, yeah, four grand actually. Yeah, four or that. five grand. So you got you know seventy to eighty percent of your of your cash flow is tax free. Ah, oh, that that's that's interesting, and that that's the that's why I did it. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's why I do it. I, I've, I myself, I've, I invested in, in five units right, right here at the end of the year. And, and it was simply, you know, at the end of the year, you got a choice to make, you got to either pay the tax or you got to invest ah. it. That gives you the appreciation. And, and for me, that's always an easy decision. I'd, I'd rather buy an <laughs> asset that gives me appreciation. That also gives me a tax benefit. I mean, uh, the, the cash flow, cause yeah, so. not only, not only do you get the special tax treatment, then you get the deductions, but this is a this is I mean, as you know this is a good cash flow vehicle. Right. Uh, so you're you're cash flowing in the double digits, plus you get all the tax benefits, and that's to me is a, is a great deal. And uh, the income is considered as active income or passive income. It's considered passive income. Okay. So you can use you can use other passive losses to offset the rest of that income you know like i mentioned the cash flow is so strong in in atms that it doesn't cover all of quite all of your uh, right. you know it it doesn't cover quite all of your income like your 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 depreciation doesn't wipe out all of your income but what you could do is you could also have, you know, let's say extra extra depreciation from a multifamily deal or exactly. from another asset that'll wipe out the rest of that cash flow so you don't get taxed on it. That's exactly where I was going with that question that I usually have passive losses from my real estate investments. Oh, yeah. right? So this is a good vehicle for real estate invest investors, especially because I don't have to carry those passive losses year over year. I can just use this passive income from ATM to write off all the passive losses. Yeah, and it's really a balancing act. I mean, it's, you know, when you know, when you know, when you got a clear picture of what's going on in your portfolio and your, and your position coming into the fourth quarter and you, got to, you know you got to make some moves in the business world and the investing world to, to keep your tax um, situation under control. Right. I mean, that, that's powerful because I mean, and just so just so that your listeners understand, you're really taking paper losses, right? While, while at the same time sticking real cash in your pocket. Yep. So the losses, the losses aren't aren't real. They're they're phantom losses. They're they're paper losses, but the cash is real. Yep. So, yep. so it, you know, you never want to be in a. You never want to get of the mindset that you believe that. You know, in order to pay less tax, you got to pay less money. No, you want to make more, true. you want to make more money and pay less tax. Exactly, and pay and pay, totally, yeah, pay the legal taxes, right? Yeah, with yeah. with all the you know legal write-offs available. <laughs> you, know, you know, and really, you're you're only doing what the government wants you to do. Right. There, there, there are specific tax codes that you are following when you're buying a specific kind of asset that gives you the, the deductions it does specifically because the government wants you to invest in those things. I always say, look, if you're paying a lot of tax, that's the government, that's a fine. That's the government's fine <laughs> because you're not doing what the government wants you to exactly. do. You're, you're speaking uh, Tom Wilwright's uh, language, you know, because I took his video course and 
the and uh, let me remind the listeners he's the author of tax free wealth the best uh, book on taxes out there i i read it and he's also the cpa of robert kiyosaki and i know even dev uses his services as well <laughs> i do and you know it was from getting around those kind of guys that got me to the position where i where i really understood the tax law and where i started using it to my advantage and you know he he is uh back a couple years ago a number of years ago he's the one that really shook me up to the point where i knew that it was in my control it was up to me whatever tax i was going to have to pay it was up to me to change that he said to me if you want to change your tax you got to change your facts and so at that moment i knew that the reason i was getting taxed the way i was was because of the way i was doing business or the way i was investing i was i was involved in you know, short-term capital gains, flipping some houses. I was a private money lender. I was doing all kinds oh, of things wow. like that. And it was it was all fun until the IRS showed up. <laughs> so it, it, it's really not, you know, it, it's really about how you invest, how you do business, and it's in your control. Right. So um, let's go back to ATM. Uh, when you say they're depreciated, um, right? So what happens? Uh, for how long do I get the cash flow? How many years? So it's a seven year contract. Okay. So you own the you own the ATMs, you get the, the deductions, the tax deductions from it, you get the cash flow from it, you get a consistent cash flow stream into the double digits for a seven, for eighty four months, seven years. Okay. And and and, uh, and it's paid and, and it's paid out monthly on the on the twenty fifth of the month. So what happens after seven months? I mean, seven years, sorry. Okay, years. so after after seven years, your contract is up and your cash flow stops and the deal is over. That portfolio then goes back out to the market for uh, and it's up for bid. So oh, now, okay. I mean, you know, our, our company could be a bidder at that table. Most likely we would be, um, but it would go out to the open market for, for bid again and, and we would have to buy that, uh, you know, buy that portfolio again. I see. So I still own those units or the ATM machines. You you up for bid. You do at the end of the seven-year period as a service to you. Our management team will take those machines and sell them at fair market value. Okay. Uh, but hey, it's a piece of technology. Right. You know, yeah, you know what happens to you know what happens to your laptop in seven right. years, right? Oh, yeah, three years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three, yeah. So you're really not oh, investing in ATMs for the equipment. You're right. investing in ATMs for the cash flow cash stream, flow. the tax benefit. So, you know, at the end of seven years, your equipment's not worth a whole lot. Got it. Awesome. Yeah, just wanted to uh, make sure about that so that the listeners are aware as well. Uh, so, uh, Dev, what are you up to nowadays? Is there any other deals have you been looking into? There is. So... I I really don't think we'll be buying much uh, in the multi. We're not we're not going to be investing much in the multifamily space. We are building a a class A brand new class A 240 unit uh, multifamily apartment building down in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh yes, uh, that will start this year. Um, we like that market. There's uh, you know just just a few days ago, uh, Driftwood part of the uh, Delorium company got their kind of green light for their last hurdle that they were looking to get before they go into permitting to, to build out their $15 billion plant. 
Nice. And uh, so there are a lot of projects like that's going on. That plant itself will export more LNG, natural gas, than the entire U.S. Really? Exports wow. right now. Wow. Yes. So you got a lot that's of that amazing. kind of stuff going on because the whole city of Lake Charles is turning from an import uh, city to an export yeah, city. And so there's just a whole lot of activity going on there. So we wanted, we, we got in front of that wave and we're building a residential assisted living down there and we're building. Uh, yes, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. And then, so uh, I, I don't believe we'll buy much existing uh, multifamily uh, like we have in the last, in the last number of years. I, I think that uh, most of the, most of the low hanging fruit is gone in that space. Oh yeah. In fact, I, I think we'll be a, a, a seller in 2019. In fact, today, there, I got two properties, two, two large multifamily deals that are, that are supposed to be, I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for the email from my attorney. We're supposed to be closing today. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah. I think it's about time. You know, it's pretty hard and really competitive market in multifamily space because everyone is out there. And it's, so that's about time when you need to get out of it. We had um, we had a lot of fun in the last couple of years, and and the market has given us some uh, have it's given us a nice gift in the last five or six years. I'd just yeah. say that, and uh, so yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's time for us to take some profits. Uh, I still love multifamily. I you know we'll we'll keep a core portfolio of probably maybe fifteen hundred doors right now. We've got around three thousand. Oh uh, wow. okay. So, so we'll keep our core portfolio, but uh, you know we are we are taking some money off the table right now. And then um, I I imagine we'll be doing some self storage. We got some self storage in the pipeline. Um, we're also working on a on a project down in South Texas where we're taking coal and breaking the coal down with high heat and uh, uh, extracting the liquids from the coal. And we've got contracts for the liquid. And that's also a very good cash flow play as well as a really good uh, tax play. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'll have to do another podcast with you on that. <laughs> love to. So that's love awesome. To. So uh, any, um, anything else we didn't cover um, about ATMs before we wrap up? Oh, we, we covered the cash flow. Well, let, let's, let's talk about the cash flow just a little bit. We've got, so your, your monthly cash on cash return is 24.5%. Uh -huh. uh, but the number that really matters is 15.4%. That's the number that, that takes the cash flow that you got. It, it subtracts the loss of value of your equipment over the seven year period. And it, 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 you know, factors in your tax benefits. So the real number that, that, that really matters is 15.4%. Now, if you had a, a seven year play in an apartment building and you could get 15.4% IRR, I, I've, I've seen better than that. I've seen worse than that. I've, you know, that's kind of, I mean, that's a, that's a decent, that's a decent uh, real estate play. The yeah. difference is when you get your 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 big bump in your IRR is when you sell the project at yes. the end of seven years. Here you're getting your in ATM investing, you're getting your cash flow back so so fast. If you're a high taxpayer, you're getting all of your principal back in three years, and now yeah. you got another now you got another four years of free cash flow. So you're really when you consider the fact how fast you're getting your your cash back or your principal back, 
now it becomes more like a you know between a 17 and and a 20 percent IRR. Right. So there's some similarities there, but you just got to know you know you just got to be familiar before you get into the deal. Right. And um, for me, it was the diversification as well. So it gave me, you know, I, of course, was in real estate. As you know, I have invested in the coffee farm in Panama, like you, Mahogany Bay Village Resort. So all over. So the idea was to diversify as much as possible. Yeah, no, and we're we're uh, we're actually teaming up with uh, we're we're taking a bunch of uh, of guys down to a bunch of our investors. In fact, you should have got the email taking yes, a bunch I of our investors down to Mahogany Bay Village, and then we're jumping on an on an airplane and heading down to Southern Belize, and we're going to do a little tour of the of the uh, the cacao, cacao. farm. Cacao, I did that. Chuck, did you do that? Yeah, I did the in last January. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, so we're going. We're taking about twenty of our investors yeah. down to uh, to see what's going on down in I, Southern. I got Beach. the email. I wanted to, but not now. It's it's crazy busy right now. Yeah, I would love to hang out with you in Belize at some point. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll do it sometime. Okay, thank you so much, Dale, for uh, taking down time out of your busy schedule. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know more about ATM investing, send me an email at alpesh at wealthmatters.com. It's A-L-P-E-S-H at the rate W-E-A-L-T-H-M-A-T-R-S dot com. Have a nice weekend.